Good morning, Crossroads. My name is Pastor Daryl Delaney. I am the associate chaplain. I'm the associate regional director and chaplain in Kalamazoo at Reach the Forgotten Jail Ministry. You met Chaplain Sarah Heaton and associate chaplain um, who came with her. And so really, really excited to be able to double punch y'all today. I didn't even know they were going to be here today, so it's really like God planned it. Um, and so we're excited to be able to uh, share. And I'm excited to be here. And anytime Pastor Rod, who is a friend of mine, asked me to come here, I'm excited. Um, and I'm, I'm saying to him, anytime you need my help, I'm here for you. And so um, this pulpit is not a place that he takes very lightly. And it's an honor to preach in it in his stead. And uh, we know that Crossroads loves the word. And so we're going to do our best to dig into that word today. And I'm excited that I'm going to just slide right into the uh, series that you're doing right now. You're in the book of Genesis. And I'm going to go right into that and the next part of that in Genesis 18. So could you please stand in body or in spirit for the reading of God's word from Genesis chapter 18? We stand because we honor and respect God. When they read the Old Testament law, they all stood while hearing it and being read. So they read the entire law. We only got a few verses. We'll be okay. <laughs> Hear the word of the Lord. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin is so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went toward Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Everybody say 50. 50. Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, if I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for a lack of five people? If I find 45, everybody say 45. 45. He said, I will not destroy it. Then Abraham spoke. He, then once again, he spoke to him and said, what if only 40 I found there? Everybody say 40. 40. He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. Then he said, Please, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if there are only 30 can be found? Everybody say 30. 30. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found? Everybody say 20. 20. 
for the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord, please, may the Lord not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? Everybody say 10. 10. He then answered, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left and Abraham returned home. This is the word of the Lord. Please respond by saying, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for who you are, what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the point you bring us in our walk with you. And Lord God, we just want to acknowledge you as being the one in complete control of every situation. You're not in heaven twilling your thumbs, wondering what's going to happen next, but you know exactly what you're doing. You had a date on the calendar for this very moment. You're the author and the finisher of our faith and also the sustainer of it. And you're faithful to complete the work you started in us. God, I wrote some things down, but if you don't bless them, they're worthless. If you don't speak, there's nothing that needs to be said. So, Lord, even though I wrote some things down, would you allow your word to become flesh once again? Would you send your spirit so that your word will go forth with truth and with clarity? Cut and edit out anything you don't want to be said. Add things that I forgot to write that you want heard. And, Lord, let it sink down not just into our ears and minds, but in our hearts and into our hands and into our feet that we may do the word and not just hear the word. I pray that we would apply the word to be a blessing to someone outside of ourselves, bringing you glory. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock, my strength, and my redeemer. And if anything good happens, we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise that you richly deserve. It is in the matchless name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. So let's get to know each other a little bit. Um, I've only been here like once. So. I just wanted you to get to know each other. Uh, let's get to know me and then me get to know you. So I'm going to be a participatory preacher. So if I invite you to say amen, you're welcome to say amen. All right. If I invite you to say praise the Lord, you're welcome to say praise If I invite you to say hallelujah, you're welcome to say hallelujah. If I say prove it, you're welcome to say prove it. Oh, watch out for that one. Because when I say prove it, and you say it back to me, I'm going to show you from Scripture where that point comes from. So you don't take my word for it, you take God's word for it. I don't care if you forget everything I got to say. But if you take the word with you when you leave and you actually see that what I was saying was in there, that would be worth it. Say amen. amen. Now, if you're wondering about this leg, I just want you to know I was wrestling with God this morning for a Scripture. <laughs> and, and I said, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. And now he is, you know, walking me with a limp. <laughs> Prove it. Uh, Listen, I tore my tendon playing basketball because I was playing against my younger self. That's the truth. The good news is God has ordained physicians. Luke was a physician in the scriptures, by the way. And um, I had a physician that was ordained by God to help me repair this. And the recovery is going a lot better. So if you, if you put your prayers on it, then we'll get better even faster. So just so you can get that elephant out the room, you're wondering what's happening. I'm not going to fall today. That praise the Lord. All right. So. We're in Genesis, and we're talking about this, and if you don't remember anything else I say today, the big idea is this. Say it with me. God has, God has a, heart a heart to save us. To save us. say it again. God has, God has a, heart a heart to save us. To save us. 
Yeah. So now we're talking about Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Now, when Abraham was in an obscure place where no one knew where he was, no one knew about him, he was a nobody. His, he lived in a place called Ur. Everybody say Ur. Ur. Where did he live? Ur. Yeah, Ur. Ur of the Chaldees. He lived there, and in Genesis 12, God comes to him and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. Whoever blesses you, I will bless. Whoever curses you, I will curse. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. So he promises Abraham two things. One is land. What did he promise? Amen. Say it again. Amen. All right. The other thing is descendants. What did he promise? Descendants. So he promised him land. Y'all say land. Y'all say descendants. What he promised? What he promised? You got it. Good. So, so a lot. Of, I mean, after he got that, he believed God and credited God credited him as righteousness for him believing and taking God at His word. That's a lesson in and of itself. But it's really interesting how things got weird after that for Abraham, because um, his wife Sarah comes to him and says, "Yeah, this whole God blessing thing is kind of taking a while, and it's not my Amazon package isn't here yet, and so I think we need to do something." What we need to do is we're going to need to get Hagar, the servant, and we're going to do the, the inheritance through her. Because she didn't have the patience to wait on what God was doing. So God comes to Abraham and he says, this isn't the plan. Um, but I'm going to bless Hagar then. But I'm telling you, from your own loins, from your wife Sarah, you're going to have a child. So Abraham says in chapter 15, I need to see a sign of this. I mean, I know you've been talking to me. I know you've been saying, go outside and count the stars in the sky. If you can count them, then that's how many inheritances I want to have, how many children I'm going to have. And you're also saying, if you can count the sands on the seashore, that's how many descendants and children I'm going to have. But I don't see them. So can you give me a sign? Because that's what they do in their culture. They say, God, I believe your word, but let me get a sign. And the sign was, here's the sign. Two dead animals, one, one animal cut in half and set like this. And then the, the two people who are making the covenant, everybody say covenant. covenant. Whoever's making the covenant will walk through these two dead halves of the animal. And the message is, if I don't keep my part and you don't keep your part, maybe end up like this dead animal split in half here. Now, the interesting part is that Abraham never gets a chance to walk through that with God. God walks by himself through so God is saying to Abraham, if I don't keep my promise, may I end up like these two dead animals. How many know God can't break a promise? Raise your hand if you know he can't break a promise, right? So in immediate context, right before this passage, there are three visitors that come to see Abraham. And Abraham, being the hospitable man that he is, wants to welcome them in. And he invites them in to you know, eat with him and stay with him for a couple of days. Um, he knows they're not ordinary people. He knows that. They have come to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. And that's where you're going to go next week, by the way. Somebody's going to preach Genesis 19. But before we get to that, the three visitors have set their eye on Sodom and Gomorrah. Because there's a lot of bad things going on there. It's a little crazy. And Abraham has this situation where he's thinking, it might be bad if... All the people get destroyed in this situation. So the first thing I'd like you to know, and we'll say it together, God wants, say that, wants to, include us to include us in his plan. In his plan. Say it again, God wants, God wants to, include us to include us in his plan. 
How many of y'all know God don't have a plan B? We have plan B, C, contingencies and stuff like that. God is on plan A, and plan B is, I refer to plan A. That's plan B for God. So, God is saying, he's having a conversation. He's, God is having a board meeting with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's having like a, a Trinitarian meeting. And he's saying, should we let Abraham know what we're about to do here? Should we enlighten him? I mean, he don't need to know it's not his business. I give you an example. Raise your hand if you're a parent or grandparent. Have you ever had a moment where you had to go into your room to have a conversation with an adult and leave the kids out? Yes, I'm seeing nods. Yeah. So, so God is doing that right before he tells Abraham what he's going to do. He's sitting in the room with, he's sitting in the rooms, so to speak, with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, I should I tell Abraham what I'm going to do? Babies don't bother me, by the way. I got kids. It's all good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, so, doesn't distract me. It's all good. Shouldn't distract you either. So, oligarchy. The three, the Trinity are having a conversation. And they're saying, well, should we include Abraham into this plan and just enlighten him and let him know? How many of you know that God wants to include us in his plans? Raise your hand if you believe that. If God wants us to align and get on his program, get on his agenda, so that he can allow us to know a little bit more about what he's up to in our lives, in our communities, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in our own minds and hearts. He wants us to align under him so that we can be enlightened. How many, raise your hand if you know God's plans. I don't know him either. I'm just you know, raising my hand just for an example. <laughs> but do you know the planner? Raise your hand if you know the planner, capital P. So if you know the planner, it's better if you, even if you don't know the plan. Say amen. amen. So, so, say prove it. <laughs> A little bit louder, say prove it. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, give you hope in the future, not to harm you. If we know the planner, then it's okay if we don't know all the details of the plan. Especially if the planner is our Lord. Amen? Amen. Now, God wants to include Abraham into this plan. And here's another, something that's really interesting about this passage. is that God is allowing Abraham to negotiate. It's like a collective bargaining going on here. What, what is, it's like an auction, like 50, 40, 30, anybody? Get like, I don't know, I don't know. For me, it was like, what is happening? Because it's, it's a little bit confusing for me because I learned some doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. 50, 45, 30. 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. After 10, it was just cut off. I don't know if God was like, all right, man, listen. That's enough, Okay. You, if it's less than 10, you better get them out of there. I don't know what to tell you. You got to get them out of there. You better get them out. You probably have of you, your, your nephew, Lot, and y'all kids. That's probably the 10. Y'all should go. <laughs> but he's allowing, God is allowing this back and forth. How many of you come from a tradition where they say you should never question God? Has anybody ever heard that? Don't question God. It's disrespectful. It's rude. It's weird. 
I don't know, but there's a lot of, there's some people who were taught that this is uh, disrespectful and challenging. But Abraham is literally breaking that rule right now. Um, so what's interesting is that it looks like God is changing his mind. Does it not? Does it look like he's changing his mind in that passage? So I was trying to find this. I'm like, all right. So there is a doctrine called, a teaching called immutability. Everybody say immutable. 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 Okay, M, I am, prefix means not. Mute means changing. Not changing. How many of you have been taught that God doesn't change? Some of you have been taught that, right? So we even sing about this, we worship about this. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Love the King James on that. Great is thy faithfulness, right? We've been taught that he doesn't change. But this passage is messing with me because... I'm told that he, has, he doesn't change. But I'm seeing some behavior that looks like it's changing. Hmm. Now, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, so, I can tell you this. That God is immutable and unchanging in his character. Say amen. amen. He's holy all the time. He's righteous all the time. 100%. Every day of the week and on weekends, 24-7, always righteous, always holy, never change. Because that's his character. If I could stick my arm into, G into God's belly and pull it out, it would have all the DNA of his goodness on it. It's literally what he's made of. He's truth all the time. Everybody say amen. amen. So you know how truth becomes truth? Say how. Because it looks at him. When you look up truth in the dictionary, it says, see God. Say, prove it. Prove it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, John 14, 6. Jesus said it. Don't look at me like I'm pathetic. The book said it, okay? The book said it. So, we also have other verses that prove God doesn't change. Malachi 3, 6 says, I am the Lord and I change not. I'm not like people. I don't need to switch up. I don't need to do anything different. 1 Samuel 15, 29 says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. For he's not a human being that he should change his mind. So if that's true, what in the world is happening in this verse? Now, let me ask you this. Is God immutable in his knowledge? Does he know everything? All the time. Is there ever a moment where you have to enlighten him and let him know something that he forgot? I'm just checking. I'm just to see if I got the right church. <laughs> it, you don't have to say, hey, hey, God, let me put you on right quick. You forgot something over here. I needed to make sure you didn't slip up and forget that. <laughs> There's no one who needs to do that because God knows everything. When does he know it? All the time. So he knows about the past. Yes. He knows about the present. Yes. He knows about the future. Yes. But he's not in those places. At all. He's eternal, which means he's outside of our timeline. That's why he's called I am, because he's always right there. He's a time traveler. I won't mess with y'all, but he's a time traveler. <laughs> so 
Here's one thing that I think is interesting. We know he's immutable, it doesn't change. My question is, does what he feels affect him? Oh, y'all getting nervous now. <laughs> does what God feel, feels affect him in any way? In other words, does he suffer? Does he grieve? Does he get angry? Why would he get angry if he knows what's going to happen? <laughs> Why would he get upset if he knows we're going to go off the rails tomorrow? I know, y'all, it's a beautiful church. Everybody's holy in here. Nobody goes off the rails. I know. I'm just talking about me. I mean, if I go off the rails tomorrow, he knows I'm going to do that. So before I do it, he's affected. When I do it, he's affected. After I do it, he's affected. So did something change? See, we're messing with you on the change thing. I would like to submit to you this. I want you to go home and wrestle with it. God does not change his mind, but it's, he does change his heart. I'm going to say it again. He doesn't change his mind. He's got a plan. That plan has been predestined before the foundations of this world. But his heart can be changed. Why? Everybody say why. why? Because he's merciful. He's just and he's merciful. He's holy and loving. He is the one who wrote the law. And he will take it to the full extent of the law because that's what judges do. And he has mercy, pardon, forgiveness. That, to me, sounds like a dilemma. I sound, it sounds like a dilemma that was actually happening in this passage. So I know God has a plan. And I know God knew Abraham was going to say this and have this conversation. He know when you come in to pray too. This actually is about prayer. It's a conversation with God. Some of y'all like to call God, tell him what you want, and then hang up. Hey, God, I just wanted to put you on my Amazon wish list, my Target, my, my, my online. I'm waiting. I haven't seen my packages yet, and I'm wondering if you sent them. And we get upset when it don't come, when we think... When we go outside and we look at the doorstep, we don't see the package, we get mad. Hey, Alexa, where's my stuff? And some of us treat God like that. But if you see Abraham is coming to God and God allows him to approach him, look at how Abraham comes to him. He doesn't come with the wish list. He doesn't come with all that stuff first. He comes by acknowledging the character of God that doesn't change. Hey, listen, you're just, aren't you? God? You're righteous, right? You're the very definition of what that means. So if you're righteous, and I believe you are, no disrespect, but righteous people, I, would they punish the wicked and the righteous together like that? In other words, are you going to ground all the kids for the other kids that wasn't doing right? There were a couple of kids who weren't doing right. This kid was, and you're going to ground everybody? That's not just, is it? So he pulls on the character of God. If you pray and you remind God of his character in your prayer before you even start praying, then maybe God will pay more attention to some of our prayers. Because some of our prayers are like, can you get, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, can we rub this quick lamp right quick, give me a few quick wishes and see what I can get from God. 
And God's not a cash register. He's not a slot machine. Amen. Insert amen here. He's not a slot machine. He wants a relationship. And Abraham is like tugging on the relationship. He's like, if you call me a friend, if you call me righteous, you just said earlier in the verses before that you're going to bless me. Please don't do this. So first, he pulls on the character of God. The second thing, he comes in humility. Some of us are really entitled when we pray. See, you, we expect God and we demand and we're going to tell you and, you and you have no choice but to. I'm like, really? Oh, wait, whoa, be careful. When you get to manipulating God or at least trying to, you ever had a kid, you knew you could see, you could smell the motor from a mile away, they're going to ask me for some money. I know it. Look, I can see it on their face. They want something. I know, it. I know that face. So how you doing today, Dad? Yeah, okay. Just spit it out, man. Like, I already know you want some. That's not my kids, by the way. I, my kids are holy. Okay. Ah! Ask her. That's my wife. Ask her. Oh, I just pulled an Adam. Adam did that. It was the wife, Lord, you gave me. Bad example. Y'all saying prove it at the wrong time. <laughs> I'm going to tell you when it's said. God allows him to approach him. Number one, name the character. Number two, humility. Ah, I'm nothing but dust, and I don't even deserve to speak to you, but please hear me out. Please, if you have mercy, please hear me out. And the third thing is, he's not even praying for himself. He's praying for 50 people he don't even know in Gomorrah. How selfless is that? Listen, there are 50 people over there, I'm sure, that they, they didn't do anything to deserve all this. Please help them. And so he's doing a selfless prayer there. How many times do we often selflessly pray? Do we always give when we know we're going to get the tax write-off? Or do we just give because it'll be a blessing to someone? Now, I ain't mad at you if you write your stuff off. I write stuff off too. The point is, I don't have to always pray so that something comes back to me. It could be for the complete benefit of another. And that's what Abraham is doing here. Now, Remember I told you earlier we got a God who's just and a God who's merciful. Remember that? We talked about that. To me, that's a dilemma because where I live and what I understand, I don't understand that much about God. But to me, it's a dilemma if you holy and you have to punish sin and you are merciful and you love people, you don't want anyone to perish but all come to repentance. That's a problem for me. But it ain't a problem for him. Now, just imagine if Abraham kept going down. All right, there's 50, there's 45, there's 40, there's 30. What if there's 20 people righteous? What if there's 10? And what, what if he kept going? What if there's five? How many of y'all think God would save if it was five? What if there are two? Raise your hand if you think God would save if there were two righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah. One in Sodom and one in Gomorrah. <laughs> what if there was one? Do you think God would save for one? Raise your hand if you believe he saved for one. So, so check this out. He actually did. He did, for one. And we all here know the one. We know the one who came here as a person. We know the one with a capital O, the person with a capital P, who lived the life we couldn't live, 
who died the death we couldn't die, who put a human suit on, who became the word, who became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death we couldn't die. He paid the price for our wickedness. That one. Now, justice and mercy, they actually connect at the cross. I'm going to say it again. Justice and mercy connect at the cross. Say prove it. Prove it. Say prove it. A little bit louder. Psalm 85.10, it says, love and faithfulness meet together, righteousness and peace kiss each other at the cross. The full extent of God's judgment, the full extent of God's mercy right there on the cross for us. That's the one. He did it so that we can be the ones that experience mercy and love and forgiveness and reconciliation and healing He's the one that came in our place that undid what Adam did in Genesis 3. He's the one that came and did it for the ones who fell off in drug addiction, for the ones who fell off in broken relationships, for the ones who fell off in pain of divorce and problems and dysfunction and racism. He came to fix the problem. Here's what I like to see. I like to see the fact that it took us 2,000 and some, 2,024 years to mess this thing up. And it took Jesus a weekend to turn it around. It took Jesus one weekend to turn this whole thing around. And we receive that gift by faith. We receive it by trusting in him, repenting, and asking for his forgiveness. And this story ain't just about Abraham. It's about our relationship with God. He wants to enter into a dialogue with you, a conversation. He wants you to bring him things that concern you. The Bible says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. That is our opportunity. And my prayer is that you would allow him to use you. Now, who is willing to pray for the city and the community and your neighbor in a way like Abraham did? Who's willing to do that? Who, will it, who knows that if you submit yourself under God, he will align you and include you into his plans? Who knows that it, even though he doesn't change, he will allow you to have a conversation with him about the things and about the people? Who knows that he has already solved the problem of his justice being something he's not going to compromise? And his loving kindness being something he's not going to compromise. He found a way through Jesus. And that wasn't plan B. Oh, no, no, no. That was plan A. Way before the foundations of the world, he knew the fall was going to happen. He knew he was going to mess this thing up. And he had a plan already. Before he created everything. That's the plan. And it includes you and I. So my prayer is that you would say, God, I'm available to you. And I want to be used by you so that I can be included in your plan to save us. Because that's your heart, God. Your heart is to save us. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the point of you bringing us in our walk with you. And God, we just thank you that your word is true. I know that sometimes we can get caught up in all the details of different doctrines and teachings. That's not the goal today. I pray that you would keep it simple for us. 
All we need to know is Christ and him crucified. All we need to know is that you, Lord God, have a plan. And that you are calling us to align under your plan. Get on your agenda, your play, your program. Submit our lives to you in humility. And talk to you about the things that we don't understand. Abraham had a question. And I pray that we bring all our questions to you. And I pray that you would address them in the way that you feel fit to address them. And the timing you feel is right to address them. And so, Lord God, thank you that you have a plan to save us. And that plan includes us being a blessing to others so that we can uh, be a blessing in their lives that you might save them. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.